Welcome to Astrology and Stuff, where we try to talk about serious subjects without taking ourselves too seriously. I'm your host and sacred clown, Sanpriti. Thank you for being here. Welcome to episode five in our foray through the astrological signs. Uh, Fifth episode total, uh, third episode moving through the signs if you're keeping track. And um, we are going to approach Leo and Virgo today. And I'll be very, very uh, transparent here. There are some signs that you just have a feel for, and there are others that um, unfold their mysterious nature throughout your incarnation. Very, you know, less directly, very peripheral, peripherally. And, um, and it's no surprise that these, the signs that really show up for you and you get to kind of practice with and chew on and get a grasp of, um, bring into your consciousness. Uh, these are the signs that you're, that are going, you're going to have planets in. It's just a lot easier to, um, have that particular archetypes energy available to you if you've got uh, a structure of embodiment uh, in that sign, i.e. a planetary body in that sign. So I've got a lot of planets in Libra. I've got a few in Pisces. My son's in Aries. Um, These are all signs that are just always in front of my face, right? Because my soul wanted to embody these archetypes and learn very particular lessons and gain experience through these. Not Leo and not Virgo. I have no planetary bodies in Leo or Virgo. I have no, uh, they also occupy the third and kind you know, the second into the third, uh, houses of my chart. And then Virgo is the third into slightly like the fourth, uh, house of my chart. So my IC, my, um, you know, that super, super duper most under part, you know, the lowest part of that circle of the natal chart. Um, it's opposite the, the MC, the, um, the mid heaven, the IC is my IC is in Virgo and, and it's just coming into that understanding in and of itself, Um, even though I don't have a planetary body in the sign of Virgo, it helps for me to realize that there is a prominent, a a place of prominence that is in this sign. And as for Leo, the Lord saw fit to give me a Leo mother. So I'm just going to claim that as my planetary body. (laughs) 
actually a mother and a mother-in-law who are both <laughs> August Leos. <laughs> so there, there's all of my experience that anyone could ever need <laughs> for Leo. So let's dive in to the whys and the wherefores first of Leo. Leo is a fire sign. That's Leo's element. And Leo is going to be the first one to remind you that she is indeed a fire sign <laughs> um, because her quality is fixed. Leo's uh, element is fire and Leo's quality is fixed. So Leo is a fixed fire sign. Leo is the only fixed fire sign. And uh, Leo is the fifth sign of the zodiac. And as such, uh, rules the fifth house of our, our natal chart wheel. And Leo's planetary body is, you guessed it, the sun. So we've just visited Cancer and we've received all, we've, re we've received our first uh, lesson in the element of water so far. And this element of water is the whole dynamic uh, is teaching us in cancer, the whole dynamic of ownership of an inner self, of identifying as an inner self in contrast to and in relationship with uh, stuff that's out there. And so unsurprisingly, cancer deals with um, aspects of vulnerability and in permeability as a water sign who is um, tasked with keeping a boundary, i.e. the ego. The ego is that shell, that membrane that creates an inner space um, that is separate from the outer space. And this, our ego is closely entwined with our emotional lives. The emotional self is the mechanism of cancer. And so we've, we have... Um, gone through the development of understanding the concept of protection and of othering, uh, necessary othering in order to gain a deeper experience of self. And as we know by now, that is exactly why the soul wanted to incarnate, um, in the first place is it, it's all a part of source, all a part of, you know, limitless everythingness as a soul and our souls seek a different experience and they do that through, uh, incarnation and embodiment. And so the emotional body is quite literally what happens, uh, is quite literally what develops rather, uh, as we move through cancer, the sign of cancer. And so we come into the sign, the fixed fire sign of Leo with this sense of self, with this very new sense of self. Okay. And what does fire do <laughs> to any sense or to any concept or what's fire's quality? It's heat, it's light, it's expansion. Uh, if we think about it chemically uh, or physically rather, um, when we apply heat to particles, they move they move, they, they, uh, movement is this expulsion of energy. Um, it intensifies the energy. And so what Leo is meant to do um, is to take that sense of self 
that creation of a self, a capital S self rather, that happened in cancer and to amplify it and to put some heat um, into that equation. Like what would happen if we took the concept of a self and we just turned the dial all the way up? What would happen then? I'm really interested to know. That is Leo. And Leo's, um, to put it in astrological terms specifically, um, evolutionary astrological terms, modern astrological terms, the sun is, uh, rather Leo, but we can kind of interchange them here. Um, Leo is the sign where we discover and we develop the, the talent of, uh, and the, the skill of creative, authentic self-expression. And when I'm guiding folks through their natal chart for the first time, and it and it's Leo's turn to be talked about, um, I say that, and I also say right after, when we as human beings in the 21st century encounter um, the terminology creative self-expression, we automatically put that into a very tiny box of like, oh, artists. Oh, okay. People, you know, making their art and it's their job to make their art and they've built a career or they identify as artists, uh, as creatives, etc. Um, and that's not the case. Uh, that's a very tiny box and you know what happens when we try to shove human development, um, into tiny boxes. It just does not work. Um, development loves categorization, but not restriction, right? Um, so, what we mean by creative self-expression, we are, as humans, we are never not creating. We are never not creating. We are always by default, just simply as essentially human, we are always creating the world around us. So let's back up a little bit. Let's go back. Let's revisit that um, hermetic teaching of as above, so below, as within, so without. And let's bring that into like 3d day-to-day life. Okay. So transparency, um, vulnerability, maybe overshare (laughs) is I've been, I've been dancing pretty hardcore with, um, my anxiety in the past week plus, but it's really intensified in the past week. And I have an internal experience that is very specific to that. I'm having a a temporary internal experience that is centered around anxiety, insecurity, that sort of thing. And I wake up with it as a lot of us do. And if I don't take very direct and specific action to produce an alternative experience, that anxiety will become my outer reality very, very quickly. If I allow that, or if I choose to let my anxiety uh, be the filter through which I live my life, then that internal experience, initially internal experience, 
very rapidly, immediately becomes an external experience. And suddenly my interactions with, you know, the people I see, if I woke up that way, my interactions with the people that I see first, i.e. my family who lives here with me in the house, it's going to be an experience that is fueled by my anxiety. Um, Any emails that I attempt to answer or ignore, um, that's, I'm doing so from a place of anxiety. And very quickly, that internal anxiety, experience of anxiety becomes my outer reality. That's what I mean by we're never not creating. Conversely, I wake up with anxiety, I identify it as an internal issue. And that's very important because, um, because when I identify it as simply an internal issue, I'm divorcing myself, I'm divesting myself from the belief that everything is anxiety, that my outer world is anxiety. And therefore the anxiety as a separate thing disappears and it just becomes my everything, right? So first and foremost, I identify it as an internal issue. Um, I do some practices that, that have really helped me um, in the day-to-day with anxiety. And, and mostly the practices are um, physical things that I can put my body through to remind me that the, anxi- the, the anxiety, it's not that it's not real. It's very, very real. <laughs> my feelings are valid, blah, blah, blah. But it's not everything, there are alternatives to this experience. And the more that I can relax and breathe and put one foot in front of the other with this very gentle but consistent reminder, that's when my outer reality is actually given some variability, right? Yes, some things really show up and are direct reflections too that, you know, that internal anxiety. And then there are other, there are other spaces of time where it's like, oh gosh, there's a lot more to this. There's a lot more to this. Okay. This is, this is good. So we're never, we're never not create And like day to day, um, I, I anticipate that within another week, my, you know, the amount of heavy lifting that I have to do in order to kind of re- recenter that inner versus outer experience. Um, it's the the work, the amount of like muscle that takes is going to be less and less and less and things are going to equalize. I'm going to, but it's as a direct result of realigning my behaviors and thinking and the kind of attention that I give myself and what most importantly I give my attention to. I'm sorry that that took a very uh, long aside into anxiety management, but but it's it's just a very um, immediate and access- accessible illustration of that creative self-expression. Right? I am still I'm creatively self-expressing. I can't not create you know create the world around me via my self-expression. Okay, so. What the journey, what the main journey with Leo specifically is, is it's, uh, for us humans, um, this is more of a 
you know, earthly kind of practicing the astrology statement more than it is an arc, a statement of the archetype. It's like, how does the archetype tend to get expressed through us is it's the authenticity part because we start out getting, you know, being born to humans and doing the best they can for better or for worse, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And part of being human is being initially programmed with other humans' truths, right? We get raised by people, we get raised by a community, we get um, indoctrinated, we get programmed that this is this and that is that. And the journey of the life in and out of, of Leo is how to individuate, right? How to, during certain parts of our lives, Saturn's a big part of this, we get to kind of individuate and figure out for ourselves what our most authentic being is and how we can express, you know, express that out into the world. Well, Leo is, um, our journey through Leo is that journey of greater and greater authentic self-expression. And there's a reason that art and children um, and play is, is, are such like key words for, for what shows up in your fifth house, uh, qualities of Leo, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's because these are, these are our structures in our lives that are very independent. They're very, um, that's not the perfect word there. They're very, um, they're here for one thing, and that is to be themselves. And I'm, I'm getting the, the very great privilege to be around at this time in my life a lot of really great art and exposing myself to that great art and masters and et cetera, all, all of them, um, and being in the art world. And the structure of art has, through Leo, um, Leo teaches us that art is not a luxury. Art is not something that is on the periphery. Um, Art is not something that you can just like, it's not something that is easily forgotten. It is, it is, it is a part, art is a part of our development Um, and it's a very important, making art is a very, very important of our development. Why do you think, you know, we kids just, they, they go after the art. Why do they, why do you think they're obsessed with making things? Um, and sometimes like breaking things so that they can make things from those things, uh, and recreate them. It's because this is a, a fundamental um, part of our development specific to self-expression. So learning how to self-express authentically can involve uh, learning how to self-express differently, different than different to what we were raised different to what the people around us are into, different to what is known. And 
a very quick aside, Leo's polarity partner is the sign of Aquarius. And I've been yammering on about Aquarius because, you know, we just came out of Aquarius season. Saturn's getting ready at this point that I'm recording. Saturn's getting ready to leave Aquarius. Um, We've had a lot of Aquarian, you know, movement. Um, Aquarius is freedom from the known. Aquarius is the stillness, that fixed air. It's freedom from the known, and all of the terror that all of the the, the liberation, but all the also the terror that that can imply. So Leo is the whereas Aquarius is the external, like out in the world expression of freedom from the known. Leo is the internal expression of freedom from the known because pick up your phone or look at your natal chart, um, visualize if you can the, you know, the, the zodiacal chart, the natal chart, and it's 12 houses. There's six on the bottom and six on top. And there's a horizon line going right through the center of it. And remember all of the, the six, the first six signs, the first six houses, the bottom of the chart is internal subjective evolution. It's evolution that just happens between me and me. And the upper half, the last six, uh, I almost said episodes, (laughs) the last six episodes of the season of the Zodiac. (laughs) Somebody go make something with that. That's a really cool idea of the Zodiac as different like seasons or episodes of a TV show. (laughs) Go do that. (laughs) Free of charge. Um, the last six houses, the last six, you know, the top houses, the last six, um, uh, signs of the Zodiac, they're externally evolved. They're objective there. That's where our objective evolution, uh, happens. It's out in the world. It's in relationship with the world. And it's honestly, it's as a result of that internal relationship that we moved through first, we can't approach you know, Libra through Pisces without first moving through Aries, uh, Aries through, uh, Virgo. So, um, this internal freedom from the known it's let's, let's go back to the metaphor of the artist. Um, we can, and you know, the artist and the child, the child, yeah, the child's being programmed about some things, but it, the art that 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 child makes, especially like the younger child, it doesn't know a whole lot uh, about, you know, the names of the colors or the names of the shapes. All it, all it knows is what is inside of it that wants to come out. What is inside of them that wants to come out? Kids are not its. Um, And the artist is the same. And depending on the age or the development or the baggage of the artist, and we all know every artist has baggage um, and creates from that baggage, there's this, this process, this alchemy that happens of knowing something and then deliberately making something that is free, free from that knowledge. It's different. Um, specifically, uh, here's a very obvious metaphor. Um, a lot of that art that I was, um, referring to a few paragraphs ago was Picasso's art, 
we've we've got beautiful uh, a whole exhibit of Picasso's landscapes at our local art museum that I work at now. And and I got to tour or be delivered a tour by the incredible curator um, who put this all together. Shout out to Laurent Madeline. She's incredible. Um, and she was taking us through all of, you know, all of these landscapes, all of these pieces. And you can just, of course, I was approaching it internally as an astrologer and as, you know, somebody who geeks out on human development in general. Um, but you could just see the development very obviously in this man's art. Um, because you could see the development that was happening inside of him and it was expressed through the art, specifically the cubism through his landscapes. And it just got, you saw very specifically when he made the decision to explore this level of cubism and put down the, the more, um, you know, classically impressionist, uh, teach things that he was inspired by in his first few decades as an artist and, um, you know, wanting to grow into and the Gauguin and the Manet and, and all of that, that was very, that very classically impressionist, um, expression was there. And then it wasn't, or it, it evolved into something. And he, you could tell when he wanted to focus he was moving through cubism and he was more, probably more, um, accurately, he was allowing cubism to move through him, to be expressed through him. And, and there were four, um, four works specifically where they just got more and more intensely cubist so that the very last work that's, that's on show is, um, is there's almost no subject there. Like the subject has become more and more abstract and the abstraction has taken over. And then after that, you can tell when he was like, "Mm," he had that crisis uh, of, you know, gentle or horrible crisis. I don't know how it manifested in him, but you, you could tell that he had this crisis of like, do I want to continue exploring the cubism at the risk of losing the subject that I'm painting? And he decided no. And so he let himself explore the cubism and then he went on to something else or he allowed his time in cubism, obviously, to inform and to color what came next. And, and you could see that he brought back the subject. He, he dialed down the abstraction, but he needed to go there as an artist, as a, a demand of his own authenticity and his self-expression, because if he hadn't, he would have, he would have stayed longer in those, I would pause it. He would stay, he would have stayed longer in those arenas of the impressionists, of the other people. And he had to find his own way. By the way, Picasso was a Scorpio. And if you see one picture of him, look at those eyes. Of course he was a Scorpio. Okay. Um, Anyway, so 
creative self-expression is the, is it's simply, uh, in Leo, Leo brings just like cancer brings the emotional realm into the forefront in order to perform its development. Leo brings creative self-expression to the forefront as a way to perform its development of greater and greater and greater authenticity. Because, and let's get back to that relationship that Leo has with Aquarius. Leo is here to shine all of its fixed fire. It's very self-centered. It's very, it has to be self-centered. We have to be self-centered in Leo in order to find our very particular gifts. We are all here to be individuated and to be as authentic as possible, not because it's healthy, not because it's, it, it looks great on you know the cover of a book or it, it gets your, your, um, your podcast <laughs> uh, out there, um, but it is necessary because authenticity, in, in my opinion, uh, ne- authenticity is necessary so because we all have very specific tools and components to ourselves that help the world. And that's where Aquarius is. Aquarius, whereas Leo is where we get to do that inner work and find these gifts. And, and Aquarius is where those gifts are utilized within community. Does that make sense? How one is the inner and one is the outer. It's the expression of that self-expression out into the world. Um, so Leo is, it's also this sign that is, um, it's very courageous. It's, it's heart centered. It's the heart. Uh, it is the, absolutely the heart because for many reasons, not just poetically, um, it takes a shit ton of courage to, to move down this authentic path. Um, it takes so much courage to individuate and to live authentically and to, and to express, um, cancer made us aware of vulnerability and Leo practices that vulnerability is at Leo's kind of left with the bag, right? Because it's like, Oh shit. I, I can't unring that bell of vulnerability, but I'm also being impelled to put myself out there, to put this shit out there, to express myself authentically. Well, fuck, you know, that hurts because I, I don't know if I feel safe or not. And so it takes a lot of courage for, um, for Leo to do the work of Leo. And that uh, more on Leo being, you know, the heart is nothing shines brighter than the heart. So go read or uh, go read uh, Joe Dispenza's work or look at some of his stuff on YouTube or Gaia TV. And, you know, you'll get five minutes in and you'll come across the, the science behind how our hearts give off more electromagnetic uh, energy than any other part of our body. And then you go into Kundalini yogic philosophy and, and Vedic um, anatomy and 
um, all sorts of um, philosophies and modalities in the East. And they're going to say, yeah, we've been saying that for millennia now, that the heart is the brightest, most powerful organ or part of the human body. It puts out more power than any other part, specifically the brain. But where do we keep most of our attention? We keep it in the brain. We keep it, you know, in the mind. And so the work of Leo, whether we're conscious of it or not, it always brings us back to the heart space. And I don't think it's any coincidence that authenticity and the heart space are paired together in the same, in the same sign. Because like... (sighs) trying to grasp what my most authentic self is with my mind and like make decisions and make a list and make a game plan on how am I going to be my most authentic self? That's bullshit. That's, that's like (laughs) crawling around in the dark, trying to look for your flashlight or (laughs) your, your glasses fall off and you've got to go look for them. How the fuck am I supposed to do that? (laughs) Um, so the authenticity, how to become more authentic, laughably, it's, it's you, you center your, center your decision-making around, you know, your heart. You center your, uh, you pay attention to how your heart feels. You pay attention to what you love. You pay attention to what you, um, can't stop expressing and simply moving that energy through that particular part of your body, of your energy, um, of your emotions, it's going to activate and you're just going to become more and more yourself. Okay. And remember, this is, uh, this is a marathon, not a sprint. We have our whole lifetimes to experience this part of ourselves. And planetary wise, as the sun is the um, is the planetary body of uh, the ruler rather of Leo and of the fifth house, um, pay attention to where the sun is. So anywhere where our sun shows up in our chart is going to be the mechanism. That's not the perfect word there, but it's going to be kind of the, the theme and the through line of how that journey goes, of what that journey is going to look and feel like for you, how it's going to, dare I say it, express itself in your incarnation. So bringing it back to me because I'm a sun in Aries. I'm also the only one in the room right now. Um, my, and, and my sun shows up very early in Aries, three degrees Aries. Um, I have a very, uh, what are the, what are the qualities of Aries? Uh, it's the beginner. It's the ultimate beginner. And the way that I, um, move the way that I, I creatively self-express, it's very much beginner's mind. I have started and initiated so many things in my life with the innocence and optimism of Aries. Um, I always, and I, I also, I should say, I also throw major tantrums the second those things get hard. So for instance, um, I threw my back out when I was 25 and, uh, I was five years in of a 10 year uh, nursing career and I threw my back out 
putting a pillowcase on a pillow and at work <laughs> in the middle of my shift. And um, my very good friend, Julie, at the time, she was a distance runner and um, just a cool as a cucumber. Everybody loved having Julie, um, the nurse, in their, in their exam room. Um, she, she said, you know, she had this very high, beautiful voice. She said, you know... I think it's time for you to get into some yoga. I was I was sitting there in a wheelchair and a, a resident was giving me five milligrams of Valium and an IV. <laughs> she, Julie was like, I think it's time. I think it's time for yoga for you. <laughs> and, and I I listened to her and she took me to my first yoga class, and um, that was all she wrote because that first yoga class was the beginning of uh, a still continuing. Um, you know, now 15, almost 16 years in relationship with yoga. And, and I had no problem saying, yeah, it's time. Yeah, great. Let's do it. Even though I had tried yoga videos before and I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. But I'm like, yeah, it's time. Let's do it. Um, And I showed up at my first class and I was horrible and I loved it. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done at that point physically and I, but I was addicted to the beginnerness of it. And much like uh, my relationship with astrology, the Aries beginner friendliness of like touching something that is so massive and touching, coming into first contact with something that I know I could study or practice for the rest of my life and still not experience everything there is to experience there. That might be my Pisces moon too showing. Um, that was such a turn on because you're just, when you're encountering new stuff, when you're encountering the new, it's, it's such a turn on for that. Aries energy that I have. And that's my key to self-expression is to continue to be a beginner in this life. And that's the shittiest thing for my ego and, and the part of my Aries that is impatience of like, why don't I have this down yet? It's like, this is your second class. This is your second class in Preeti. Um, you're not going to be able to do standing splits <laughs> the way that that person over there is doing standing splits. Um, or, you know, recording a podcast or starting a new job or learning fucking interpersonal communication skills. You know, there's this, that my son, my, um, experience of, of feeling and, um, yeah, experiencing self-expression happens through all of this, um, through this vibe of Aries and it's in my son's in my 10th house. And, um, and so a lot of this self-expression, it feels very important for me to be able to self-express out into the world. Okay. Cause that, remember that 10th house, yes, it's our career in this context of the lives that we live, but really it's just the most visible part of you. And so creatively self-expressing where people can see me, where I can get feedback, where I can be seen and receive the feedback from being seen. Um, my creative self-expression happens most potently in these areas with these flavors. So 
where does, where do you have Leo in your chart? What's in your fifth house and where's your son? And what relationships, what relationship does Leo, the fifth house and your son, do they have with the rest of your chart and the planetary bodies? Okay. So that was Leo, fixed fire Leo. Uh, We move on to Virgo. Let me take a sip of water real quick. Um, Virgo is mutable earth, mutable earth. The quality is mutable. The element is earth. Um, planetary rulers are rulers. I said two, um, planetary rulers are Mercury and most lately Chiron. All right. So let's talk about the relationship or rather like the, the journey from Leo into Virgo. Uh, If Leo is fixed fire, it's this culmination of, we can call it a culmination of, um, of internal development, of internal evolution. We've began, because I almost, the way that I experience Virgo and the first six signs Um, and the way that, therefore the way that I teach Virgo and the first six signs, and especially in relationship to the first six signs, it's almost like we've got a a fire sign bookend of from Aries to Leo. And then we've got this, this earth sign that has a very different, um, a very different mechanism before we move on that, that in has to happen before we're able to move on to the, the upper, you know, the upper six. And it's, so it's almost like we've got five signs down in the bottom, then we've got Virgo, and then we've got the six signs up at top. So I'm going to try to make this, I'm going to try to communicate this in a way that makes sense. Um, so we've got the beginning fire of Aries, um, that it just initiates. It's the spark that builds and builds and builds through earth sign Taurus, builds through air sign Gemini, builds through water sign Cancer, and then kind of comes back home to itself in Leo. And because it's fire and fire. And the task of Leo is to almost like put a pin in it of like, yeah, this is as far as I can go. When I can get into this element of of my own self being able to express itself. Because if you think about that self-expression, you're expressing it out into the world, but you have to develop the skill of that and come into a consciousness of that part of yourself inside of yourself first. But it's almost like self-expression can't exist without somebody else to express to right? It's almost like this in this latent, um, foreshadowing of what's to come of like, why am I, why, why do I feel so hardcore over creative self-expression? Why is it so important for me to take my self-identity fire of Aries and be able to express from that place fire of Leo informed in a way that is informed by earth, air, and water, um, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer. 
why? Why do I want to do this? And it's, it's almost like this foreshadowing of like, because it's not, you're not done yet because you've got this whole relationship thing to get into. You have to learn how to express yourself so that you can be in relationship with others. Okay. I hope that makes sense. So what about Virgo? Well, Virgo's this place, this archetype where we're able to take, it's, it stands at a threshold. She stands at a threshold between these first five signs, uh, Aries through Leo and the rest of the world, the moving on point of developing an external reality. Um, and so Virgo's primary per, uh, evolutionary astrology, Virgo's primary function is that of kind of filter, kind of gatekeeper, but we really like to use the prettier term of healer because <laughs> she is. Um, but Virgo's job, and if you think about it, I always bring everything back to anatomy. Um, Virgo rules the digestion. You know, Virgo rules, uh, and, and lots of things happen in the act of digestion. Um, it's the breaking down, the, the actual, you know, digesting of the material it's the uh, absorption of the material that we actually want to keep in the body. And then it's the elimination of the material that we want to let go of. That the, we've, dis- we've decided that the body doesn't need and we can move it out, move it on out. Okay? That's what Virgo does with all of the development that's happened from Aries to Leo. Right? We've done all of this consuming this internal, it's just been us and us. It's internal, it's internal, it's internal. This consumption of being us and of developing an ego and developing a sense of the self and then, uh, you know, developing of, uh, you know, our relationship with our body and our, our relationship with the functionality of a mind and what's our relationship to information and identification. And then in Leo, it's like, how do we start expressing all of this? And, and who am I in light of all of this? And so Virgo takes all of that work and she filters through, she goes through everything and she pays attention and she's looking for the stuff that's going to become shit. Okay. Very, de- that's why we got to be very detail oriented in Virgo. I was, I think I've said this before on the podcast, Um, in my career as a nurse, there was a time where I was in charge of six cardiologists and they were all Virgos. (laughs) You, you want your surgeons, your cardiothoracic surgeons, your cardiologists, your electrophysiology, cardiology specialists to be Virgos because they've got to be detail oriented in the, in the, in a way that informs healing right? The healing mechanism is the most foundational aspect of Virgo. And the detail orientation to that, hello, Mercury is the planetary ruler, information, is what is, is serving that healing aspect. And so let's bring in, this will be good, let's bring in Oh yeah, Mercury is a ruler of an earth sign. Mercury is a ruler of Virgo. Why? How how did this happen? 
Um, and remember how, go back to Gemini and Gemini, Gemini, go back to Gemini and remember how Mercury as the ruler of Gemini is interested in the consuming of information, the bringing in information, processing it up here in the head in order to communicate it. Okay. It's just information in information out. It's like how I would study for some, some tests back in the day. I was a really great test taker. Um, but because I was really good at just cramming information into my big old brain and spitting it out, but never like digesting it, never di- especially like the, the multiple, the, all the multiple, uh, choice questions. Like you, you give me an essay question though, and I have to kind of digest it in order to communicate it. And it, stick, it sticks around a little bit longer, right? So Mercury and Gemini is about bringing in that information and you know having that antenna way up there, catching all that information. And the Mercury of Virgo in the Earth sign is more concerned with actually digesting the information. And there's a beautiful word that describes this very specifically. It's called discernment. And discernment is where this is this is my thing. Don't don't you know quote anybody else. I, I've never not really encountered this particular term uh, applied in this way from anybody else. It's discernment is where the air and the earth meet in our bodies. It's where our minds and our bodies meet, where we have to use uh, the powers of, merc- of our mercury to support the physical body or rat. You could also say the powers of that mercury to, it's w- just where they live. It's not like mercury's coming into Virgo to help Virgo do Virgo. It's really Virgo is where Mercury and Earth live. And this is where it's very helpful to remember that Chiron is a co-ruler of, um, in many astrological expressions, Chiron is a co-ruler of Virgo. Why? Well, we came into an applied consciousness of uh, Chiron in 1977 and it's no coincidence that suddenly everybody's in therapy. You know, it's Chiron is our experience of the wounded, yes, the wounded healer, but it's it's really I like to say our healing story. It's this whole thing that we were just kind of not not really um concerned with it what we weren't evolved enough in my opinion. We weren't involved enough to be, uh, it just wasn't time to be super concerned with like emotional healing and ancestral trauma and therapy, just all of that whole thing, internal wellness. And then we came into a place of evolve, of, of evolution that, okay, we're ready. We're ready. And so we started developing these healing narratives and all of these mechanisms and, um, and I, again, I want to presence colonization and colonized thinking and my own internal, internalized colonization 
by that really comes out in these statements of like, well, you know, we weren't interested in in healing ourselves until 1977 when we came into, uh, you know, consciousness of Chiron. That's bullshit. No, um, we have been healing since we've been around. <laughs> it's I'm speaking more to the accessibility, um, the globalization, and I mean that literally, not politically. Um, the globalization, uh, the 60s and the 70s, without going too far down this rabbit hole, the 60s and the 70s um, ushered in a an unprecedented, uh, we, we crossed an unprecedented threshold of, in you know, in our recent history of, and by recent, I mean like the last 25,000 years, <laughs> um, of, of being connected, of having access to, you know, the, the, the concept of globalization, of just our world became a lot bigger and a lot smaller all at the same time, right? We've got, we, we had just moved through two world wars, but, and we were also receiving uh, pictures back from, um, from space of, you know, pictures of the earth. And so we were at one time, um, or simultaneously, rather, we were experiencing the bigness and the smallness, the the massiveness and the immediacy and the accessibility of this entire of everybody else in the world, and that's what I really feel. Um, Chiron ushered in for, in a time for us is that instead of like keeping the healing journey. Very, just like with everything else, very clan related, very like, this is the village that I live in and this is the healer and, um, or this is my, this is my shaman and this is the medicine woman, et cetera, et cetera. It became a concept. It became a globally recognized concept. Um, we started sharing stories. We started sharing studies and research and information. And it just became like this bigger thing, right? Uh, I.e. the healing story. And at the same time, we were being ushered into a greater greater, and greater sense of the healing story that pertains to the earth and our relationship to the earth Um, and all of that. Okay, so rabbit, hopefully (laughs) rabbit trail done, completed. Um, Chiron and Mercury as rulers of Virgo is Mercury, um, the power of our, uh, communication and our processing power. Um, remember how Mercury and Gemini, it's the receiving of information, the processing of information, the communication of information. Virgo, it's very, um, it's with that being earth-based, it's a lot about processing power. And again, we go back to the digestion, you know, the, the, yes, our elementary tract, i.e. Our, our expanded digestive tract, um, our elementary tract, our, our relationship to what we consume, it begins in our mouth and it ends at our anus, okay? Um, that's called the elementary tract. But Virgo isn't so, it's not so mouthy. It's not, consu- it's not consumed with the consumption of the information, Virgo is the latter half of this. It's the digestion, um, uh, digestion, absorption, and elimination of everything that we've been through and from Aries to, um, 
to Leo in order to move on to Libra. And that's why it's a mutable sign. Um, Virgo ends our relationship with in the Northern Hemisphere summer. Uh, can, it's Cancer, uh, Leo, and uh, Virgo. That is, that's the season of summer up here in the Northern Hemisphere. And Virgo as the mutable sign, it's, it's very literally like this elimination part of, um, of this whole, of, of, uh, excuse me, this journey that leads us to what needs to be eliminated. And that's why, that's one reason why, um, you know, it makes a lot of sense that Virgo is the polarity partner to Pisces. Uh, Virgo ends our time in the first six signs of the Zodiac, uh, the lower half of the Zodiac, the internal evolution, the subjective evolution part of the Zodiac. And its polarity partner, Pisces, ends our time in the upper portion, but also in the Zodiac entirely. Pisces, I call it the, the mutablest of the mutable because it's mutable water, but it's, it also lets go of the entire 12 archetype evolutionary cycle. And so Pisces does this, where, whereas Pisces does this on the macro, it's about r- tying up loose ends and, and r- being okay with letting go on like the cosmic level. Uh, by reminding us that everything is impermanent and everything is meant to start again uh, and to reiterate itself. Uh, Virgo does this on the micro level. And so that's why um, people with six house, so Virgo rules the sixth house. Um, Virgo, as we've mentioned, is ruled by Mercury and Chiron. People with a lot of sixth house placements, um, they're going to have... Um, they're going to have, you know, physical stories. There's going to be heal- a lot of healing. St- and especially if you have Chiron in the sixth house, you've got a lot of your evolutionary um, material uh, 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 focused in this area of physical, um, physical wounding and physical healing. And... So I have um, Neptune and Uranus in my sixth house. And Neptune, you know, ruler of Pisces, it's this, um, it's also a planet of some illness, you know, we could say some illness-based things or, or illness-related things. And I have, a, I have a beautiful, you know, 20-year journey of um, autoimmune disease. And autoimmune healing and coming into right relationship with, uh, these structures within my physical body and the physical body is helping me learn metaphysical lessons. So there's that, there's that. Um, um, but I was talking also about, Hmm. Pardon me as I try to retrace because there's, Oh, discernment. Thank you. Thanks guys. Um, I was talking about discernment. So discernment is that, that digestive part of, uh, that digestive function of Virgo as to looking at, you know, what will soon become literal shit. Um, and 
kind of combing through it and figuring out, understanding, here's the beauty in Virgo and the optimism in Virgo that doesn't get talked about um, a whole lot, is like combing through everything because you know the treasure is there, because you know there are things that you want to keep with you, because you know that there are, there are so many things in the past five signs that are going to be helpful for you in the next six. And a lot of times Virgo gets like the other side of it, of that kind of digestion and elimination gets really hyper-focused on with Virgo of like Virgo looks for disease. You know, Virgo has to be detail-oriented because Virgo's the healer. And as the healer, it's got to look for disease so that it can filter it through and and deal with it, either eliminate it or or, you know, choose to not bring it to consciousness. Um, and I think the other is just as, it, it deserves just as much space being taken up within the archetype of Virgo as like this disease finder. Um, Virgo's not just combing through everything, you know, trying to search out what doesn't fit. It's also deeply aware of what does fit. And honestly, this, with a relationship you know, you were just, we were just in Leo and Leo is the, this heart centered ball of, of fire. And this informs Virgo's process and function and purpose because Virgo just came from all of that fire is like, I created all that art. Oh my God, I am a work of art. And it moves from that fire and allows that fire to permeate into the earth, much like Aries into Taurus. And it's like, okay, I I know I'm that fire. I have self-actualized. Now, I remember that I want to move everything through my body. I remember that I'm human and that all must be embodied and put into density that's why I'm here. And so that it comes down, you know, or through Leo and into the earth of Virgo and it seeks in a very detailed way how to do that because it's also in relationship with the next sign Libra understanding that it's got, it's going to enter into a whole new world, uh, to quote Aladdin, <laughs> um, and it's going to need, uh, it's got a lot to give. It's got a lot to give. Virgo isn't classically billed as a generous, um, as a generous sign, but the, the generosity of Virgo is, I would posit, is informed by its leoness. And it's because of that leoness that Virgo understands that there is much that the healing journey is always a worthy journey. Um, because, you know, folks with Virgo transits and moving through, uh, you know, if they have a lot of Virgo and they are feeling constricted and unwell and, and just concerned, um, and serious, uh, that's, that's often my homework. And as somebody with, uh, an IC in Virgo, uh, coming out of seriousness is, it's key to my health and development (laughs) 
being in seriousness, realizing that I'm living in seriousness and then, you know, liberating myself from that, that constrict, that place of unhealthy constriction. Um, that's my, that's my whole life. Okay. And so when I recognize that in other people, um, and I find that they're, they're having Virgo, Virgosis, as Patty Clark says, (laughs) um, I love it. Um, it's okay. We're going to, we're going to take our list making superpowers, Virgo, and we're going to create a victory list, uh, because you're already internally and maybe externally really busy creating, really busy with these external failure lists or the criticism lists. Uh, this is what needs to be better. This is what needs to be better. That, that needs to be better. This isn't done yet. That isn't done yet. The da, 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 da. It's like, mm, we've got to back off on the amount of energy that we are directing towards that type of criticism and, or critiquing, I should say, and apply just as much, probably more energy of that discernment in the direction of our victories, of what we've gotten really right, of what has been, how easefulness and how pleasure has shown up in our lives, how these things exist just as much in our reality as all that other stuff. And so I'm telling myself that, I'm giving myself that assignment, and I'm giving you that assignment, dear listener. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the relationship to, as far as the element Earth, um, Virgo's relationship to previous earth sign Taurus, whereas Taurus is the one, it's the one that like comes into the body. It's, it's, it's finding that, it's that fixed nature. It's finding that the, the resources of the body and it's finding the capability to be here and to anchor into the body, which is very important for fire, right? Because remember our sequencing, it's fire, earth, air and water and fire comes in and unless fire is contained, it's going to burn itself out. Okay. And so Taurus gives us that relationship with the body as a container for our fire and a way to continue this journey and, um, build some sustainability. The earth of Virgo is the magic of utilizing those natural resources as a method of, uh, discernment and filtration. Um, it's movable, it's mutable. Okay. It's, um, it's, it's focused on, um, literally moving shit through because it's, that is incredibly important to, um, to time cycles, right? Nothing else can begin unless we end this. Um, so and then we've talked about Mercury and Chiron as planetary rulers. And I think that, oh yeah. So personally, where does Virgo show up in your chart? What's in your sixth house? Where does Chiron live in your chart? What's your relationship between, this is interesting. What's your relationship between your Mercury and your Chiron? I have uh, Mercury in Pisces. It's at um, 17 degrees Pisces. And my Chiron is at 19 degrees Taurus. 
So I have a an almost exact sextile between my Mercury and my Chiron. And with that in these, you know, Virgo rulers, planetary rulers, having a a helpful kind of magical relationship with each other, um, compounded with six house placements of Neptune and um, Uranus and my IC being in Virgo. I, even though I don't have any planets in Virgo, can you see how I do have like this? It's not overt, but there's definitely a Virgoan through line here. There are definitely themes here that have shit because I'm a, I'm, I'm always healing myself and others are always inviting me into their healing stories too. So, um, I'm doing everything I can. If you can, if you're listening closely, you can tell I'm doing everything I can to not label myself as a healer (laughs) because, (laughs) because I'm not, and I refuse that. (laughs) I refuse that so hard, (laughs) but you can see how that, you know, healing on the micro and then combined with like my prominent Pisces placements, um, healing on the macro, it all kind of moves together. So get curious about your charts, get, um, dig in and find some, find some things that you're, that surprise you about your charts and trigger yourself by finding maybe some things that you don't really want to identify with (laughs) or as at this moment. (laughs) That's a great mechanism for growth and for, uh, even deeper, yummier self-acceptance. That's it for Leo and Virgo. Thank you for being here. So that's it for this episode of Astrology and Stuff. You can come back each Wednesday for new episodes, and you also have a way to get weekly bonus episodes on my Patreon page. Just search Astrology and Stuff Podcast. Bonus episodes are weekly peeks into the planetary transits where we can get into the astrology of the week and how that may be affecting you in your neck of the woods. Each episode of Astrology and Stuff is written, recorded, edited, and mixed by me, Sampriti Ireland. The music you hear is an original work by Angel Wing. And again, thank you for being here.